This Women's History Month of Womanica is sponsored by LinkedIn. Let's talk about what's professional today. On LinkedIn, important conversations are happening around what it means to be a professional. Right now, LinkedIn members are talking about things like needing more flexibility around where we work, how we work, and even taking time away from work to focus on family or mental health. Because those things should not stunt career development and growth. Instead, they should enhance it as we show up on our own terms. Professional is ours to define. And your authentic self is your professional self. Post your truth. Show the world the authentic professional you. And join the conversations redefining professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, welcome professionals. Hi, from Wanda Media Network, I'm Elsa Majimbo. This is Romanica. Today's innovator has gone largely unknown, but her mission to help disabled veterans and her ingenious devices left their mark on medical history. Her impressive career spanned from nursing and inventing to forensic handwriting analysis. Let's meet Bessie Blount Griffin. Bessie was born in Hickory, Virginia on November 24, 1914. When she was a child, Bessie attended a one-room schoolhouse called Diggs Chapel Elementary School. When Bessie was about seven years old, she was trying to complete an assignment in class, but her teacher rapped her knuckles hard. The reason? Bessie was born left-handed. At the time, left-handedness was often erroneously stigmatized as a sign of evil. The teacher, therefore, wanted Bessie to learn to write with her right hand, but that's not exactly what she did. While Bessie did teach herself to write with her right hand, she also taught herself how to write with her feet and her mouth. This would prove to be a uniquely important skill. Bessie attended Union Junior College in Cranford, New Jersey, and went on to train as a nurse in Newark at the only hospital in the state owned and run by Black people at the time. Eventually, Bessie received her license as a physiotherapist. As Bessie was honing her skills as a therapist in NAS, the U.S. formally joined World War II. So Bessie volunteered as part of Red Cross Grey Ladies, treating veterans in New York and New Jersey. These women, so-called for their grey uniforms, were meant to play a non-medical role in patient rehabilitation though that often manifests as occupational therapy and psychiatric care. As a volunteer, Bessie worked with injured veterans, some of whom had lost use of their arms or legs or were amputees. After witnessing how difficult it was for so many of her patients to eat independently, Bessie devised a solution. She invented a device that involved a rubber tube and pump which would allow a patient to feed themselves without needing to use their hands. The patient could bite down on a tube, which would signal a motor to dispense the food into their mouth. It took her 10 months to develop the first design, working from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. She then spent years making improvements, finally demonstrating how it worked at a hospital in New Jersey. She received a standing ovation. Bessie was proud of the device, but she couldn't get the Veteran Administration to show any enthusiasm for it. 
The French government, on the other hand, was very interested. So Bessie donated the rights to the device to France, and they started using it in 1952. After all that work, Bessie gave her invention away. Reflecting on that choice, she later said, Forget me. It's what we as a race have contributed to humanity. That as a black female, we can do more than nurse their babies and clean their toilets. Bessie continued to invent solutions for the troubles she saw her patients face. One device helped folks with arm injuries hold items like cups or balls close to their face. She was granted a patent for this device in April 1951. Bessie also became close friends with Theodore Edison, the son of Thomas Edison, after working with the family as a physical therapist. While there isn't any evidence they collaborated on patents, they did stay up late talking about science and inventing. Around this time, Bessie invented a disposable basin that hospitals could use for medical waste. She experimented with newspaper, flour, and water molding and baking it herself. Yet again, Bessie found it nearly impossible to get anyone in the US to pay her invention any mind. However, Belgium was interested and she sold the rights to a Belgian company. Some Belgian hospitals reportedly still use the design today. In 1953, Bessie took her ideas to the small screen. She became the first woman and the first African-American to appear on a TV show called The Big Idea. As a physical therapist, Bessie was often working with patients on their handwriting. For veterans who had lost their limbs or suffered hand or arm injuries, Bessie's ability to write with practically any body part was inspiring. Bessie started noticing things in her patient's handwriting and this launched her new career in handwriting forensics. By the late 1960s, Bessie had started working with police departments, analyzing forgeries and other documents. She became so skilled at it that in 1977, she was invited to work for Scotland Yard. When she returned to the US, Bessie started a consulting business. She would examine documents and evidence for court cases and she also took an interest in deciphering old historical documents. Later in life, she would be asked to donate models for her invention to museums, but she refused. She didn't want children to have to pay to see her work. Instead, she'd go to schools and show them off for free. At the age of 93, Bessie decided to start her own museum and library on the grounds of her former one-room schoolhouse in Virginia, Unfortunately, she wasn't able to finish that work. Bessie died in 2009 at the age of 95. All month, we're talking about innovators. For more information and pictures of some of the work we're talking about, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to co-creators Jenny and Liz Kaplan, who asked me to guest host. Talk to you tomorrow. Hey listeners, it's Jenny with another podcast I think you'll love. TED Talks Daily. Every weekday you'll hear new ideas on every topic imaginable, from artificial intelligence to how the war in Ukraine can change everything. One episode in particular that I thought you'd really like is the recent talk from creator, comedian, and actress Lily Singh. 
Lily gets into how women and girls are conditioned to believe success is a seat at the table, when really, we should build a better table. She's hilarious and not only shares intimate experiences from her career, but also offers ways we can build a more inclusive society, where girls are encouraged and empowered to do great things. Stick around to hear part of her talk or head over to TED Talks Daily from the TED Audio Collective, wherever you listen. You see, my goal was always a seat at the table. It's what women are conditioned to believe success is. And when the chair doesn't fit, when it doesn't reach the table, when it's wobbly, when it's full of splinters, we don't have the luxury of fixing it or finding another one. But we try anyways. We take on that responsibility and we shoulder that burden. Now, I've been fortunate enough to sit at a few seats at a few different tables. And what I've learned is, when you get the seat, trying to fix the seat won't fix the problem. Why? Because the table was never built for us in the first place. The solution? Build better tables. Allow me to be your very own IKEA manual. I would like to present to you a set of guidelines I very eloquently call how to build a table that doesn't suck. <laughs> I've been told I'm very literal. <laughs> Now, right off the bat, let me tell you, this assembly is going to take more than one person or group of people. It's going to take everyone. Are you ready? Should we dive in? Let's do it. Up first, don't weaponize gratitude. Now, don't get me wrong, gratitude is a great word. It's nice, it's fluffy, a solid 11 points in Scrabble, okay? <laughs> However, let's be clear, although gratitude feels warm and fuzzy, it's not a form of currency. Women are assigned 10% more work and spend more time on unrewarded, unrecognized and non-promotable tasks. Basically, what this means is all the things men don't want to do are being handed to women. And a lot of those things largely include things that advance inclusivity, equity, and diversity in the workplace. So hear me when I say, a woman shouldn't be grateful to sit at a table. She should be paid to sit at a table. <laughs> Especially ones she largely helped build. And a woman's seat shouldn't be threatened if she doesn't seem grateful enough. In other words, corporations, this step involves a woman doing a job and being paid in money, opportunity, and promotion, not just gratitude. And women, yeah, go ahead, live it up, do your, do your, live your life. And women, a moment of real talk, trust me, I've been there and I know it is so tough, but we have to understand and remember that being grateful and being treated fairly are not mutually exclusive. I can be grateful but still know exactly what I deserve, and that's the way to do it. 